Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you'd also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. Welcome to Freedom Church. I'm so glad you're here today. I know we lost an hour of sleep, but I know God is going to bless our time here together. Uh, and I just want to say thank you for coming. Look at the person next to you. Give them a high five and thank them for getting here this morning. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. You know, today I want to talk about when life happens. And I'll never forget in 1984, I was still at home. My brother there, I had graduated high school and was in my first year of work. And, and I slept down in the basement, and um, my brother, at that time, he was up on the second floor, and this horrific storm started coming through. And my parents at that time, they both ran paper routes early in the morning, so they were gone up to Franklin, and they were running paper routes, so my brother and I were there alone. And, and I remember this, this, this blinding stuff come in, it was just breaking day. So we both ran down to the basement and it sounded like a freight train was coming right at us. And I'll never forget that noise as long as I live. How many of you have ever endured, been in or around or near a tornado? Would you raise your hand? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a feeling, uh, the barometric pressure changing, you could feel the pressure and all that stuff. So we're down in the basement. So when it was all said and done and over just in a few minutes, we go outside and we could see across our neighbor over there, the roof was completely gone off of a home, about a 3,000 square foot home, and the roof was completely gone. And we go outside and, and we look, and at that time, my brother had this Celica car and it was parked in front of mine, and, and mine was behind his. And we go out, and the first thing we see is this two before sticking down through the windshield of his car, down through the instrument panel. And it was sticking out of the windshield here, so it's all the way down through the instrument panel. And you look at his car, and it looked like somebody had went around with it and just whooped it all the way up, all the way around the car. And it was dents all over it. Then we go back to my car. And my car had one dent on the roof here, and that's all we could find. We looked all around my car, wasn't anything on I thought, what'd you do to God, brother? I thought, I mean, look at your car. How are you living? You know, and I'm just sitting here, all these emotions and things is going through my mind. You know, I thought, you know, uh, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, what's up? I mean, look at my car. My car, I'm serious, my bumper from the back of his car, my bumper was about right here. But literally the car had all the way around it like somebody, like the two before had went around it, beat it all up, and then said, I'm done, and drove the two before about this long through the instrument panel, through the windshield. But my car had one dent in it about this big. I'll never forget that. And then this past Monday night, Shannon and I go to bed and the next morning, you know, we knew they said there was a chance of thunderstorms or something, storms coming through that night. And, of course, for me, I have thunderstorms every night because I hook my iPhone to my iHome and I play rain and thunderstorm every night. 
So it's nothing unusual for thunderstorms for me, you know what I'm saying? So, so anyway, uh, about 5 o'clock the next morning, I could see some real jagged, really lightning. Because where I lay in my bed, I can see out my window of her bedroom. But we never heard anything going on. And normally when my wife wakes up, Shanda, she immediately goes to Bible Gateway and she does her Bible reading before she ever gets out of the bed. But for some reason, something touched her heart. And I believe it's the Holy Spirit let her know, go to Facebook. You know, our philosophy is never go to Facebook till you get your face in the book first, okay? That's our philosophy. But this morning was different. So she goes and she begins to read and says, Tara, you're not going to believe this. There's been a massive tornado that's gone through. And, and she said, they're showing that two people have died. Well, then we jumped up and we turned the news on. And then it goes to, from two lives lost to four lives lost and see the devastation and the, the, the body count just keeps climbing through the day. And so when you think about it in a measure, here's what I, here's what I know. There are going to be storms that are going to come through all of our lives. A lot of times it's relational storms. You know, something doesn't go right in your relationship and you find yourself alone and after you said I do. And then there's times that you have a financial storm. You get a pink slip. You never knew you were just going to lose your job. You gave it your best of what you could do. And next thing you know, they clean your desk out for you. Or maybe it's an emotional storm and you've been dealing with situations. You find, your one, you find one minute you're depressed, next minute you're on a high mountain. It's just this roller coaster of emotions. And, and sometimes you feel like there's this spiritual storm that comes into your life. And you just, you're trying to do all you can do to live for the Lord. And it seems like the more that you do for the Lord, the more that the enemy comes at you and tries to rip you apart. But here's what I know about physical storms. When a physical storm comes through in your life, especially like the devastation that happened this past week on March 3rd, Tuesday, it affects all the other areas that I just mentioned in someone's life. So we have to then deal with the aftermath of those storms. And when you look at the devastation, you know, you see it on TV, but it's just unimaginable what goes on. And, and you really cannot get the breadth and the depth of it until you physically see it with your own eyes. But here's what we know. I think we all agree that lives were turned incredibly upside down because storms come in really quick. They do their damage and then they're gone. The question is, and it always arises, and I get this question quite often, why? Why? Why do storms come in like this? Because a lot of people, they're looking for answers in those things, and they want to say, why does God allow things like this to happen? I thought he was a good God. Well, let me tell you something. If you're a Christ follower today, it doesn't make you a bad Christ follower because you want to ask those questions when those tornadoes hit, and they are not, uh, they're not discriminative whatsoever. They come through, and it seems like they don't care, and it hits everything in their path, and when it leaves in its wake, it's claimed homes, it's claimed businesses, it's claimed lives, it's claimed hopes, it's claimed dreams. How many of you agree with me that sometimes those kind of things that happen are hard to understand? Would you lift your hand? I think it's all of us. So I love what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 14. Look at this with me. It says, sometimes something useless happens on earth bad things happen to good people 
and good things happen to bad people. And then when you read that, you're thinking, wow, I mean, why does it have to be like that? I was trying to do everything I could do to live for the Lord, but I've lost everything. But you look over here and you think, wow, you know, that's not so good. So what it boils down to is it's for you and me to try to understand both sides of the fence. See, when people, we have neighbors and we know to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as who? As yourself, right? So when those times come and we're hurting really bad, these people right here, we see what happens to them over, but the person on the other side of the fence it happens to, it is a traumatic terror. They are in shock. They have, are facing loss. They're facing all of these feelings of hopelessness and things that went down, and they're looking around, and they're just, they don't know what to think. They're thinking, What? just happened and they're looking around and hoping when the dust settles and the storm is gone so to speak they're looking around and wonder does anybody really care what just happened to me now us on the other side of the fence a lot of times it doesn't happen to us and and we'll look across the fence at our neighbors and we'll say and hopefully having a, a sense of compassion. Hopefully, hopefully that we are, we are the kind of people that we're going to see them and we're going to care about what happens. But when we're over here, it's a whole different story when it happens to you and when you see it happen to somebody. It's a totally different thing. So today, if you have had any sense of being hit directly in this storm that just happened or indirectly, whether it was this past week or when a storm ever comes into your life and hits you like it did this week, I just want to give you some hope through our Lord, and I want you to think about a few things. When you get hit really hard in something like it, and it's you, you got to let that grief out. You don't need to hold it in. It's going to eat you alive because whenever your heart's broke and, and those things happen and you think there's nothing left, there's no future for me, and you begin, you just, you just got to cry. And you know, the other day, whenever uh, my wife, I, I think she was in the other room and, and she was doing something, and, and I sat down and I was thinking about those people it happened to and the grief of hidden. And so what I, I began to do, I began to, to look through the pictures of the lives lost. And I began to cry. And I thought, what devastation is this that's happening in someone's life? And so if that's you and it's happened to you in these past few days, or let me tell you, life's going to happen and it could happen to any one of us at any time. There is going to be fear. There's going to be pain. There's going to be anger. There's going to be worry. Sometimes you might go into depression when that happens to you. And you're going to have resentment and you're going to be without understanding. And there's going to be grief over you working so hard your entire life and you lose everything you work for in an instant look what Jesus says in Matthew 5 and 4 God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted so if that's you and you're hurting and in your heart know that God is going to bless you let that grief out and let God in let that grief out and as he pours his spirit of love upon you you know, a lot of times as men, we're, we're told that 
and we grew up and, you know, you're not supposed to cry and all that. And I was watching a, a, one of the news reporters in Nashville the other night and there was an older gentleman. I, I, I'm guessing he's around 70, 80 years old. And, and he was talking about that. He said, you know, me and my wife were in bed and they showed the bed, you know, and he said, that's where we were laying. And he said, I know with a broken voice that men aren't supposed to cry, but he said, I don't know what else to do. And I was so thankful for that news reporter, a young lady, she was rubbing the man's back and just, I just thought, man, let it out. I said, when we let it out, there's an opportunity for God to bless you and come in. And my heart just broke for him. Psalm 34, 19 says, the Lord is what? What's that word? Say it out loud. Close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Psalm 62 says, oh, my people, trust him, him at all times. That's where it gets challenging, that you trust in him in the bad times. It's all really easy for us to trust in a God when God is in the blessing business and everything's going good in your life and you got plenty of zeros in your checking account and you're getting the promotion at work and your kids are getting good grades in school and your relationship with your spouse is better than it's ever been. But when the bad times hit, the trust is challenged, isn't it? But he says, you've got to trust in him. Trust in him, people, all the time. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. So no matter what danger comes, no matter what distress comes our way, God has given a promise that he is going to be our eternal shelter. He's going to be our eternal protector. Because when we think in a carnal, we miss out on what God wants to do in our lives. Because we live in a carnal, but he says, I'm the eternal God. You live in the natural but I am the one that's going to be supernatural for you to love you and help you and be there for you in this life because life is going to happen. Something else you got to do if, if you're the one of those that's over here and you went through this, you've got to refuse to be bitter because if you're bitter, you're never going to get better. You're never going to get better. When you decide in your heart and mind, I'm going to be better, you get better. If you don't, the bitterness begins to eat you and erode your very soul. See, bitterness, what it ends up doing is keeping you held on to the past. There's nothing you can do about the past, no matter what's happened in your life. You can't change the past. But what you can do is to get better and to look forward because God is in the present and he wants to be there with you. He wants to help you. He wants to comfort you. And he wants to take you into a future that he has for you. He's in the future just waiting for you to get there. That's our God. And here's an antidote to really think about when you're in your bitterness. You just got to accept that which cannot be changed. I mean, we can't change it, no matter how bad that we would like to. Uh, though it's painful and it's without reason, you have to accept it. And when you do, then you focus on what's left, not what's lost. That's what we end up doing a lot of times. We're focusing on the past and we can't change it. But what you do, you look around in those moments and you focus on what's left. That which is lost is gone and it's gone forever. God will help you see his plan 
not focus on your pain. Did you get that? Because the plan is laid out for our lives no matter what happens in the devastation in life. God wants to help you and to help me to always see his future plan, not stay focused on the pain, the loss, the agony, the devastation. Because it's only going to take you down. You're going to live a very bitter person. And ultimately, when you decide in your heart and your mind that you change the way you look at things, then the things you look at are going to change. It's all about your perspective in your life. Listen to me. Your past will never, ever, ever equal your future God has for you. It's absolutely incredible what God wants to do in your life. So what you do whenever you get to that perspective, something else, when you're, you're hit very hard, you've got to make a decision. I've got to remember what's important. I've got to remember the big picture. I've got to remember that, that if I'm left here standing, I'm breathing, my heart is beating, I'm drawing in air into my lungs. Here's one thing I know. Disasters has a way of clarifying our values. Life has a way of pointing us in order to what matters and what, when it boils down to what doesn't really matter at all. Jesus said in Luke 12, he said, life is not measured by how much one owns. And then look what Paul told Timothy in his first letter to him in chapter 6. He says, after all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world and we can take nothing with us when we leave. I'll ask this question, and I hope I have the right. How many of you have ever saw a U-Haul behind a hearse? Have you ever? Okay. You know, it reminds me of a story of there was this woman, and her husband was very wealthy, and, they, and he died, and his request to his family was, is that I want $100,000 cash in my coffin around my body. So... When it come time, after everybody had viewed the man and come around and they were boohooing and crying, and it come to the point of the uh, funeral home directors to close and set down the, the casket and they'd close the blinds and letting the family have the last viewing. Next thing you know, here goes the mother with a trash bag and she goes up to the casket as the last few and she starts taking the money out of the casket and starts putting the trash bag. Well, she had two sons and they ran up and said, Mom, Mom, what are you doing? I mean, this, that, that, that's immaterial about the money. That's what Dad asked to do. She said, why are you taking it out? She said, I'm taking it out because I laid a check there. If he needs anything, he can cash it. Here's the point. If you want real security, you've got to build your life upon something that'll never be taken away from you. That'll never be taken away from you. And here's what I'm going to tell you. Understand that you can lose a loved one. You can lose your home. You can lose your career. You can lose your business. You can lose your marriage. You can lose your health. And you can use your youthful beauty. Someone may have once told you were, you were hot, and now people look at you and they know you're not. So... 
God is never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He's going to go with us till we draw our last breath and we turn up our toes and our souls are going to go to be with him for those who know Jesus Christ. That's real security, church. That's where it's at, bottom line. One more thing I'll tell you when you're over here and you're the one who gets hit. You've got to completely rely on Jesus. Sometimes, you know, it reminds me of the little girl that she was praying. She spent the night with her grandfather and, she, and he, you know, she was in there kind of whimpering in a little bit and didn't understand. And, and Grandpa went in and says, "Hun, why aren't you going to sleep? Said, uh, you know, Grandpa, you know, you know I, I just, I'm just scared. And he said, well, just pray to Jesus and ask him to over, help you overcome your fears. And she said, Daddy, she said, Grandpa said, you know, I want to talk to somebody with skin on. And you and I are to be the skin for people around us. But a lot of times when it comes to trusting completely in Jesus, we don't think that we can trust in Jesus and we can. We're to trust in him with our heart, mind, body, and soul. But yet, we look around to other people that's got skin on that can love us through a situation. That's the value of a church family. And so many times still, when those things happen, you want to blame God, you want to pull back on God because you don't completely understand what's happened. And you're thinking, how can Jesus know what I went through? Well, when you look in his discourse from John's gospel, chapter 14 up to 16, he's preparing his disciples for what he's about to go through on the cross the bloodiness, the reproach, the agony, the shame, the beatings. And he's trying to let them know. And he tells them this in John's Gospel 16, 33. He says, I've told you all this that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many. Say those next three words, please, out loud. It's going to happen, he's saying. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus is trying to tell them, I, I, I'm going to identify with what all of my followers are ever going to go through. And then Paul lays it out for the Philippians so that you and I can understand in this life what's going to take place. And what he's telling them depicts exactly what we can face in this life. And he says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. He said, I've learned the secret of living in every situation. Say every situation. Every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I want you to help me quote this scripture, and I want you to repeat it after me, and I want you to mean it from the depths of your soul. Say, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Where's the strength come from? Christ. That's where you're going to grab your strength at. We've got to depend fully upon his strength. We do that through our time of prayer. Every day before you leave your home, you should be praying to God and having a time with God. It's not long prayers. It's not long without prayer that makes all the difference. You read the Word of God, and when the Word of God gets in you, the Word of God will prepare you for the day you face. You need to know that you have a church family that you just don't go to and say, I go to church, but I'm going to be the church. 
I'm going to be in the church. I'm going to come to the church. I'm going to bring tithes and offerings to the church because I'm blessed with everything that God gives me to manage. I'm going to be a part of the church. I'm going to serve in the church. I'm going to serve in my community. I'm going to be a bright spot when everybody else is living in darkness that you may be around that hasn't come to him. You're going to be that stem of light that people need in order to know that they believe when they look at you say, I know they love Jesus. I can look at them and tell they love Jesus. And you know what? You know how people really love Jesus? When you see them get hit on this side of the fence, and then you see a smile on their face, you know that they know Jesus. Because they don't have that carnal perspective. They have an eternal perspective. Man, what a witness it is when you see someone's face like that. So what do, you, what, do, what do we do when the sun comes out? I mean, here we are, sun's out, it's beautiful today. and Because when we look at the perspective of this life, it's very short. You know, there's only three things that last forever. God. His word and our souls. That's it. So what do we do when we're living this life and God has given us breath of life and, and we're here? What do we do? What do we do on this side of the fence when we peer in to the tragedy that has taken place? And do we look at them and say, it's really sad. I feel bad for you. I'll pray for you and all those kind of things. Or do we think we need a storm strategy for those people that are hurting? Now, I want to thank God for the fact that there's been a lot of people that have stepped up to bat thus far. It's really quick that people step up. But this is not something that's going to go away in a week or two. This is something that's going to take weeks, months, and even years to be able to help people in these situations that's taking place. So I want to talk about that just for a moment. we got to open our eyes and see with our hearts. You know, you see the stuff that's gone on, and, and you get this mindset if you're not careful that, oh, I heard that they're turning away volunteers. And so if they're turning away volunteers, then I, I don't, we don't need to go down there. You know, we'll keep praying for them and all that kind of No, 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 that's not the mindset that you get when you hear those kind of things. When you go through a storm like they went through a storm, and a lot of times they go through it and they're alone, they don't want to feel alone after the storm. Sometimes it's just when you go down there, and it might not be something you do, but when you see a homeowner and you go over and you console them, and you can lift a hand, you can dry a tear, and you can give them a hug and say, I'm here for you, I love you, and I care about you. That's what makes all the difference to people in those kind of things. Because by yourself in a storm, you feel completely hopeless. And when the sun comes out, you're just wondering when you're over here and you're looking around and everything has come down on you, you're wondering, does anybody really care about us? Oh, they did for a week and now they're gone. That's what people are thinking, dude. Do they really care? And if there's ever a time that we can shine the love of Jesus, church, it's in moments and tragedies like these that we see. And when you see a tragedy, but you don't see with your heart, you've missed the whole point of opportunity for all of us as Christians and Christ followers in Jesus Christ. We miss it. But what if it happened to me and you and we were over there? Colossians 3 and 12, listen to what Paul told the church class. He said, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, 
You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And some of you may be thinking right now, and you're pushing back in your soul, and you're thinking, Pastor, I have tenderhearted mercy. I, I, I have that in my heart, in, I so, in my soul, and, and I see the devastation. But you just don't, I'm in a season of life, I'm really busy. You know, and, and I see there's a lot of people stepping up, and I'm praying for them. But I'm really busy right now. My, my business is taking off, and man, they're, they're asking us to work a lot of overtime. And, and you don't understand, baseball season just started with my seven-year-old. And if I don't take him to the games on Saturday, his heart's going to be broken. We can always seem to justify our actions, can't we? We always look for a way to, to justify that which has happened to somebody else. But think if you were on this side of the fence, are you going to justify what you just got jolted about and say, I understand they can't come and help me. They're busy. It's high time as Christians that we begin to live our lives continuously, vicariously. So what do you mean? You always think when you look around at other people and you think with imaginary participation what the life is like in their shoes. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, there was a time that he was very sick and they were going to have a time that they were all coming together and he was going to be there for what he was doing. And if you ever study the history of William Booth and the Salvation Army, it's incredible. He could not come, but he sent them a message with one word, others. That's all he said, others. But we can get so focused on ourselves and our situations and it's time to say, I'm not going to, to be one that's going to overlook someone. I'm not going to ignore anyone, but I'm going to be a person that I am going to try to identify with what they're going through. And I'm going to go to them, not just pray for them. And it's time to say, not one is going to happen like that on my watch. Not one whatsoever. Because when you begin to see with your heart, then it makes all the difference. Then you're ready to position yourself. And then you say, okay, God, what's my role in this relief? You really come before God, prostrate, pray before God and say, God, okay, well, God, what is my role in this relief effort? You're not asking God if you're to do something. You're asking God to what depth of sacrifice, therefore, you are going to do with your time and your resources. That's what we're asking God in these situations. And when you do that, you do that because you're telling God, I have a steward, I'm, I'm to be a steward of the time you give me. I got to be a steward of the resources you give me. Galatians 6, listen to what Paul said to the Galatians here. He says, share each other's burdens. And in, the, in this way, obey the law of Christ. See, sharing another person's burden is going to them and holding them up. When they don't have, have the strength to be able to stand. You love them. You weep with them. And you're there for them. And you point them to Christ who loves them and gave his life for them. You know, to obey the law of Christ. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but that phrase, obey the law of Christ, is the only place in Scripture that's ever said. And a lot of scholars, they want to say this or that or whatever, but what it boils down to, what is the law of Christ? 
It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and to be able to love your neighbor as yourself. And it just follows that you love one another because Jesus has loved us. And then look at verse 3. It says, if you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Look at the person next to you and say, you're not all that. You're not all that. None of us are too important. 1 John 3, 17 says, If someone has enough money to live well, sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? <laughs> how, let me ask you, how clearly do your actions prove your love for another human being especially when they're hurting. Are you generous as God wants you to be with your money, with your possessions, with your resources? Because we're all blessed. Everybody here is looking at the person next to you and say, you're blessed. We all are. We were able to get up on our own accord. I'll never forget, and I've told this before, but I'll never forget, I, I bumped into a gentleman in Nashville Airport, and this is what he looked at me and said, and he was an older gentleman, older than me, and, and I looked at him and I said, how are you doing today? And he said, I'm vertical. I'm vertical. And I said, man, that's good. I've never forgot that as long as I have been living since he told me that story that he was vertical. But we can get so selfish because we're so spoiled to the point if we're not careful, we stink up the world and we don't light it up for Jesus. That's what ends up happening is sometimes the one thing you have is the one thing that somebody else needs. Many times Christians struggle with bringing tithes and, and giving offerings to the church. I think somebody else is going to do it. Did you, did you see their car out there? Wow, I mean, that's, that ride's nice. <laughs> you don't know nothing about their ride or what's nice in their life. It may be paid for, and they're not only bringing, but they're just giving sacrificially. It's easy to look at someone else and size them up so you don't have to get and eliminate the size of your billfold. It's really easy to do that, isn't it? A lot of times we want to scrutinize the organizations that is out there. And, uh, and sometimes, I think a lot of times we're not careful when it comes to giving. If we don't get the credit, we don't want no part of it, right? Let me tell you something, God gets the glory. And who better to, to be able to get the glory than where, because all good gifts comes down from the Father of lights. Look at Hebrews 12 and first part of 15 says, look after each other so none of you, say none of you, fails to receive the grace of God. We want to experience God's favor upon us. So it says, none of you, none of you look after each other. And if we really care and we see with our hearts and we ask God, what is our role in the relief? Then we will sacrificially go. And what we're going to do, we're going to rise to the occasion. That's what we're going to do. We're not going to worry about our calendars. We're not going to worry about what's next week. We're going to think about somebody else as if it was you and me 
that it happened to. We rise to that moment. And, and why is this so important, what I'm talking about, when you rise to the occasion? Because you're given a spark of hope in someone's life that has lost it at that moment. And that spark of hope makes everything. And the hardest part about an aftermath is to feel like you have no hope for the future. And let me say this to you. When you're rising to the occasion, that's hope that goes into action through our lives. And let me say this. We all know life isn't fair and no one wants to hurt. No one wants to go through the pain and the rejection and the depths of what's taking place and how they've been affected by the storms in life. But you have to act. I have to act. We have to give a spark of hope because people will end up getting in a depressed state over here. And we don't want them to get depressed. We want to lift them up to the amazing grace of Almighty God and let them be the know that there's a hope in Jesus Christ. And when we guide them to Him, they realize, you know what, something happened over here, but it's what God is doing in my future that's made all the difference because we rose to the occasion. You know, apathy, <laughs> apathy is just, I don't care. I, really just, I just don't care. You know, sucks to be you, right? It's what people say, don't they? And then, you know, you look over there and you see what happens and it's, you have sympathy and, and we all go, oh, that's sad. You know, and I'll pray for you. Hope everything works out. But then <laughs> empathy is when you begin to say, you know what? I'm going to the other side of the fence. I'm going to my neighbor. And that's when you participate. You get into action to show that you care through your actions. Empathy propels you into the moment to rise to the occasion because somebody's hurting, we're hurting. Somebody's broken, we're broken. Somebody is devastated, we're all devastated. And so we're going to rise to that moment. And that's what we do as God's people. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 20 says here, Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. See, your life is an occasion, see? My life is an occasion. So we rise to the occasion. That's why we're here. That's why that God spoke to me this week. God wanted me to speak to all of us, our family this week. See, if we're going to make a difference, we've got to be world changers. And we've got to be people that are going to rise to the occasion. And they're going to see the fruit by our actions. And when our neighbors are hurting around us, we've got to rise and say, not on my watch. We're going to be there. We're going to be people that are going to go. If the count still stays where it's at, 25 people lost their lives. They went to bed that night, never knowing they'd never rise on this side of eternity again. That could have been me. That could have been you. That could have been your family. That could have been my family.
when I was looking through the faces of all those that perished and reading stories one particular family stood out to me and that was Josh and Aaron Kimberlin and their two-year-old son Sawyer You know why it stood out to me? Because Aaron's father's name is Rodney Pitts. He's a preacher of a church in Cookville. And when he got the news of his son-in-law and his daughter and his grandson in Paris, he cried all day Tuesday. And I could not help but vicariously imagine that I have three beautiful, wonderful daughters that I love. If I had been in his shoes and lost my daughter, one of mine. So I began to pray for him. I tried to call and get in touch with him. I wasn't able to. To let him know personally that I loved him and I'm lifting him to my Lord. But here's what's awesome. Here's what's awesome. They, they're in heaven. You know, they love the Lord. They led Bible studies. They served in their church. All that stuff. It was really, really awesome to hear that. So, to be honest, Josh and Aaron and Sawyer are better than we are. We're still here fighting it, you know? What's cool is the future forecast. The future forecast. You say, what do you mean? Look what it says here. And I love how the message does, shares this in Revelation 21. It says, I saw heaven and earth new created, gone. The first heaven, gone. The first earth, gone. The sea. I saw holy Jerusalem new created, descending, resplendent out of heaven as ready for God as a bride for her husband. I heard a voice thunder from the throne. Look, look, God has removed. God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. They're his people. He's their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. Tears gone, crying gone, pain gone. All the first order of things are gone. See, I remember that old song, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. But right now, it's a time to weep with our neighbors. And till then, in this life, we're going to find ourselves on one side of the fence or the other. That's life. And so understanding both sides of the fence is understanding that we love the Lord God with all our heart, mind, body, and soul, and love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Say it with me, it's time to rise. 
It's time to rise. Say it one more time. It's time to rise. Stand up. Step out. We can't live in the past. We got to move forward into the future and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Will you listen to this song as we worship?
bow your heads with me, church. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you, God, for this wonderful, wonderful, beautiful body of you, Freedom Church, and thank you, God, for each one. And God, right now, Lord, we just have to ask the question in our hearts, what's our role in the relief? And as we're praying, I just want you to ask God and seek God right now. Say, God, what's my role in the relief? And we're going to give you opportunities for that today and to be able to rise the occasion. But also, I want to ask this question. If you were like Josh and Aaron and you went to bed tonight and a storm hit your house, where would you spend eternity? See, that's why you're here today. If you're not here just because you came and maybe you're checking out the church for the first time and maybe you moved to the community or maybe there's a storm in your life, it's financial or it's a physical health infirmity or maybe it's something relational. But when life comes to the end, and a storm hit and took your life, where would you spend eternity? If you don't know Jesus Christ, he's knocking on your heart's door. Just invite him in right now and say, Jesus, I invite you into my life right now. Just tell him, say, Lord, what's there? I want you to take away. Please forgive me of my sins, the things I've done wrong. I want you to live, rule, and reign in my heart. I believe in you. Save me. My life is yours. It's not my prayer that's going to save your soul. It's your prayer from conviction that you need Jesus. If you prayed in that moment or you'd like for me to pray with you, I will be in the Connection Center. I'd love to do that. If you've given your heart to him, I'd love you to come and see me. If you're here and you need prayer, come to the Connection Center. We're going to be there. If I've never met you, I'd love to meet you. Please come to the Connection Center. I'm so thankful for what God is doing. Father, we love you so much, God. You're just in a faithful God. Thank you for this wonderful family, God, that I'll be able to share it and we can rise to the occasion. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen. amen. Let's give God glory because he's a good, good God. Hello, Pastor Jim here. I just wanted to come on and thank you for listening and help answer the question, what next? If you gave your life to Jesus today, we would love to take that journey with you. Simply text the word SAVED to 615-900-2176. And make sure to follow us through the week on our social media accounts at Freedom Church TN. We love you. Have a blessed week.